Hi, everyone. It's Raghu. I am back uh, with another edition of Mind Rolling. And uh, hey, everyone, meet Tez and Koa. Hi. Hello, hello. Namaste. Hello, aloha. You know, wish we were in aloha land, but uh, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm, I, I say this a lot, but basically I am really, really fortunate to, uh, I mean, I only met you because you're interested in Ramdas and you wrote and, and said, hey, you know, we've been listening to this, that and the other. And, yep. uh, and we just connected. Right? I, I, so Ramdas, of course, we have to, th- I thank him for a lot. But I must include that very here fact. again. Yeah. Well, I my whole uh, network enlarges by virtue of, of course, these podcasts, but also by the fact of my relationship with uh, Ramdas over all these years, and I meet incredible people. So great to meet you both. Well, oh, yes. yeah, great to meet you too. And uh, we were introduced to you because you already you all always introduce. The podcast and yeah, so the Ram Dass here like, now, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, such a, a cool uh, energy to it, you know. Yeah, um, and it's like when I first first started doing them. The I got, I thought, okay, let's start at the beginning. So I got like the earliest Ramdas talks around uh, how he eventually got over to India. So it was all the beginning stuff. So I thought, hmm, maybe I'll talk about how I got to India. And we and I paralleled it. So for the first few episodes, anybody out there who hasn't listened to these, they're kind of cool. The first few episodes yeah. are that. And, and uh, can I say that was so freaking genius? I loved it. Like you got two in one. Like we followed <laughs> your stories, journey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, followed Ram Dass's journey. So mm, it was thanks. that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah actually, Tezra introduced me to Ram Dass. I didn't know she was like we were looking around in a shopping area in Brooklyn, and she was looking for uh, a book from him, and I didn't know who he was at, oh, at, really? at all. And so when I heard the name, I was like, "Oh, who is this um, Hindu fellow with a long <laughs> beard that you're looking for?" And then I saw his picture. I was like, "I said, oh." Okay, and then she was like, "Oh no, you you, you got to check out Ramdas." Mm-hmm. So oh, I got man. into the podcast, and I was let's say about ninety, almost a hundred episodes later. I, oh really? I oh my god! Definitely hooked, and there's many more to go. So. Oh, that's great! That's yeah. great. Thank and you then, both for that. Now, uh, everybody out there, uh, Tez and Koa have a, a podcast as well that's fairly new, months old, maybe. Yeah, very yes. new. Yes. yes. And it's called I Am Not That, right? right. I Am Not That I Podcast. I Am Not That. Yes, liberating the self from the self. So, meaning. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> meaning. So, meaning liberating that great self from the small contracted self. Because normally our small contracted self is what drives us, is what controls us. And mm. so it kind of holds our great self hostage. So we want to liberate our great self from that small self through our podcast. Right. And using, well, that's, we have the, I call it the mini me. You call it the small self. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The mini me guy and gal. <laughs> Uh, that believes their story uh, that they've yep. been uh, causes and conditions have created, and uh, but we need that. 
we need that in order to be able to transform so that we can connect with that true self. So I, I love mm -hmm. I am not that. Uh, and it made me think of uh, some extraordinary um, teachers. And, and in one case, uh, Ramana Maharshi. Have you heard of Ramana Maharshi from South India? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. So uh, and of course, the whole self-inquiry practice and um mm -hmm. so but before we go there because uh, we can have a nice uh, rich talk around around him for sure uh, i just need to hear because this is what i do hope you all out there aren't getting bored by the but this is how we get to know people so t right. just take a turn Margo, about you're never boring though <laughs> okay thank you so, <laughs> so okay flattery gets you everywhere. yeah right exactly uh, but I do want to hear just uh, each one, you know, give a give us your story and how you grew up, the kind of family, the kind of environment, and basically what was that trigger to even introduce you to the idea of self-inquiry, higher self, whatever, spiritual path, whatever it was. I mean, because we all have that story. So you want to start, mm -hmm. Tess? Um, sure. So... My upbringing was I didn't have one of those rosy fairy tales of a childhood. Um, I uh, there was some trauma there emotionally. Where, 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 where were you brought up? What uh, town? So the first part, uh, I was brought up in Ohio. I was born oh. in Texas, but I was brought up in uh -huh. Ohio. And then my mother joined the military. And so after that, we did a large stint in Texas. And then, of course, you know how the story goes with the military life. Yeah. Uh, but that served me well, though, because I got exposed to so many different uh, people, cultures, you know, and different ways of living. So that, like, made me well-rounded. And, like, even in high school, it was a very diverse, you know, school. So it was some of everyone. So we had a very balanced, you know, um, outlook. I had a balanced outlook on, on the world. But um, what led me on my spiritual path was that I, you know, started off in the church because um, a large uh, part of us, part of the Black community, we start off in church. So naturally, that's where I started off. But something just wasn't doing it for me. I was missing something. And then I began to feel like I was in bondage, like in spiritual bondage. And so I was torn because I was only taught church. So I said, well, if I leave the church, one, you know, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to be doomed to the pits of hell, you know, <laughs> so I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not happy. So what do I do? So it was a real inner turmoil. And I remember somebody had told me when I was in church, you should read this book, Conversations with God. And so this is like the mid to late 90s. And I was like, no, I can't read that book because, you know, it's an abomination. It's not, you know, from Jesus. And so you can't read it. Mm -hmm. So I never read it. But when I was coming to the end of it, when I realized that, you know what, this really is not serving me. There's something more out there for me. I need to open myself up. I was in a thrift store with my mom visiting and I came across the book Conversations with God. And I was like, oh, shit, here it is. And so I said, well, if it's meant for me to buy this book, if it's over a dollar, I'm going to leave it right here because I'm in, a, I'm in a thrift store. I'm not paying more than a dollar fifty for something. I'm in a thrift store. So I said, if it's over a dollar, I'm not paying for it. I opened up the book and it was written 75 cents. Mm -hmm. wow. so I said, OK, you're coming home with me. 
read the first couple of chapters. That, and that's my Neil spiritual... Donald Walsh, right? Yes. yes. Yep. Read the first couple of chapters and immediately I felt the shackles just pop right off. What do you mean and by I that? What do, you, what do you mean? I mean, what, the obvious constriction was around the church, which you know, I had similar thing. I'm Jewish, so but Judeo-Christian, those same chains. But describe yeah. them in, in a personal term of what they were for you. So, and related so to the family. I, I mean, your mother was in the bookstore, so she she didn't say, "Do not buy this book," right? Yeah, no, she didn't say that. She was actually shopping for other little trinkets in the thrift store. I was in the book section of a thrift store. Mm -hmm. So, um, and she wasn't like the real spiritual type. I actually brought her to Christ. Like I brought her to, you know, meet her salvation with Christ. Um, So you loved Christ during this whole, the church was one thing, but Christ was certainly another thing, right? Christ was certainly another thing, but then the ch- with the church, I began to put box uh, God in a box, and I think that's what started my suffocation. I began to put him in a little small box because we refer to him so much as him and he mm-hmm. and as a man, you know, and so man only has but so much, you know, expansion. You know, it's you know, it's very limited, mm-hmm. and so I became limited in my thinking and in my feeling. Um, but then when I read the first two paragraphs of um, Conversations with God, immediately I became to know that I was this boundless spirit, this boundless energy. And that's what I was searching for. So I felt like I had came home. And for the first time, I'm not a big reader at all. I read that book in like two to three days. But Raghu, for the first time when the book ended, I cried because I Mm. didn't want it to be over. Not because it was a good story, you know, it's because I didn't want it to be over. But it was like, Tezra, you have what you need. I'm I'm sending you on your way. So it was a sweet departure. But yeah, Mm. so. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, incredible. Karma is incredible. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Kala, how about you? Where are you from and how, Uh, how did it happen for you? Okay, well, I am from New York City. Mm. Uh, I was born in Manhattan. And um, it was a very um, interesting road. Mine's, a, you know, like like Ted said, it wasn't all roses and everything. Mine was a pretty bumpy road on the, on the way to sit here in front of you today. So in the um, spirit of Ramdas uh, and just basically... Um, being very uh, forthcoming. Um, mine started when my mom was was sick. I would say that uh, that that would be a good starting point. Both of my parents were in meditation. I had met um, Swami Muktananda, who I heard and um, uh, before he passed. And I, I, I you met, met him? And, yeah, as a child. But you look yeah, like you're was, 32 uh, years old here. I don't know. Oh yeah, thank you. No, this is uh mid forties and, and and above. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was a child, it was late seventies, uh, and I, I I'd met him before and seen him. Wow. And um my dad my dad knew him and uh so I, I was familiar with meditation and familiar with uh city yoga. Mm. Um but I was still, you know, a ring rambunctious uh, New Yorker. We got into a lot of stuff and trouble and, you know, in teenage years, we're out, you know, 
smoking weed and drinking and just doing all the stuff that we did here. Um, but around that time, um, late teen years, my mom was sick of uh, cancer, breast cancer. Mm. And at that age, um, I didn't express myself very well. I didn't have much to say. You know, you ask me, hey, what's going on? You look like something's troubling you. What's wrong? No, nothing. I'm good. I'm good. Nothing. You know, the answer was pretty much nothing. You know, I never had anything to say. So I bottled up a lot of things and a lot of anger, a lot of frustrations and didn't express them well. So um, when she was really ill and it was getting towards the end, um, I got into some some arguments with my family, with my uncle, and, and it just kind of sent me over and I just decided to do something that was just really out of character. Uh, I, I, I chose one person, because out of my friends, I had a good support group, good friends. I, I, but I knew one person that if I asked to do something, you know, on the wrong side of things, that that person would be like, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All my other friends would have been like, okay, clearly you're going through something. Let's talk. Let's have us uh, get something to drink. Let's, we're not doing anything that you're suggesting right now. But he was the one person that was like, yeah, whatever. I'm down for whatever. So uh, we went out and did a robbery. I mean, I mean, normally when you do a robbery, it's like you need money. I didn't need money. I didn't <laughs> like I just was very frustrated, very mm. upset and wanted to just lash out and just take it mm. out somehow on someone. So I, I I did that. And to shorten the story, I, I, I got caught for it and ended up uh, going to prison for it. Mm. So that was kind of the, you know, where you think it would be like, oh, this is just a, a story going bad to worse. That was kind of the beginning. I started to meet all kinds of unusual people. I mean, I know they say that prison supposed to be re rehabilitation. I don't they don't seem to run it that way, but my journey, <laughs> <Don't do that. laughs> no, my, my journey though mm -hmm. began, I started to run into the most unusual people, people in that prison. showed me things in prison. I, wow. I met a guy who was able to read minds and he could prove it. And he never um, had to go to, he never had to, to spend money at commissary because he just made bets and wages that he could pull this off. <laughs> and, uh, wow. and he did, and he had a system for, 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 pulling it off. And he, he spoke to me and actually he didn't take advantage of me. He told me that this is what he could do. And he said, I'll show you, I'll prove it to you, but I, I don't do it for free. So just bet me one cigarette. You know, he took it easy on me. Mm. So he basically would um, say, come up with three questions and um, you know, the answers to them and you go write them down, go where you need to go, go off to the, another room, write them down on a piece of paper. And so this is where you can't change your answers. But when you come back to me, we're going to do one question at a time. And you just think the answer in your mind. So he had me at the first question. I mean, my first question was, what was my address when I was 10 years old? And I sat there looking at this guy like, yeah, right. Like, come on. And he looked at me, took a pause. And he said, 400 West 43rd Street, apartment 10C, oh New God. York, New York, 10036. All of that information. And my other question was, where was I in 1992? And I had the I had the initials in my head. I didn't have the words. I just had the initials H-U as the answer. And so he looked at me and paused and he was like, what's H-U stand for? Oh, and I was oh. like, that's Howard University. And he was like, mm. oh, OK. 
So, and then I tried to trick <laughs> him because so my mom had passed at this point and I tried to trick him and I said, well, what happened in August of 94? And I was smiling and I was like, huh? Like what happened then? Like tried to make it sound like it was something positive. And he just stared at me for a moment. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Your oh, mom passed. Yeah, uh-huh. we have my condolences. So he showed that he, this was possible. And I said, okay. And anyway, the, my, my journey moved on. I went from different places. They move you around and stuff like that. And uh, I ran into someone else who could do similar things, not, not as on point as this guy, but he was very good at, he, you know, he was really good at, at, at seeing. And I said, this is interesting. So um, towards the end, when I was ready to be released, getting towards that point, I had been in there for a couple of years. Only, I did, only did two years. Uh, Two, yeah, two long years, but that's short for a lot of people that are in there. But yeah. so I'm getting ready to come out um, in another another few months, and um, I laid down to go to sleep, and I had what I remember to this day very vividly with in complete color and description um, an out of body experience. Uh, it was like completely where, where amazing. You? I. Where were you? Going? I was laying down just in, in the in the system. I was just laying down. At this point, I was transferred to a minimum facility. So there's like no fences. There's no, you mm-hmm. know, you can basically just walk off if you want to. But why do that? You're going home soon. So I'd lay down just to take a nap. And that was it. I was, wow. uh, I could, I knew, I knew who I was. I knew that I left my body. Like usually the dreams, I don't have that much control. I'm just doing random things. Everything's looking weird. And I meet people that I know or don't know. And you're instantly somewhere else. You don't, you know, you just go along with the flow of it and then you wake up. But this one, I was clearly aware of that I was moving around. I had a guide, a female guide that was taking me places. I could tell where she was, even though she didn't have a body. Uh, and she, I knew where to look, like as far as to make eye contact, but there weren't any eyes. And it wasn't confusing. I was very clear where she was. And even when um, she was showing me things, like she would do what you would call point at something, but there was no arm or finger to point, but I knew she was pointing. Mm-hmm. I knew to look over at things. And we were traveling at the speed of thought. We would be one place and then instantly somewhere else. And I remember being in a big open field. It was like completely amazing. Like everything was, the colors were very bright and vivid. Like everything was pulsing with life. And then we would be at a, we instantly was in a small town that looked kind of like France, cobblestone roads. It kind of looked like someplace in either France or Italy. And uh, it was just amazing to just watch people. And it was just going on this tour with her. And then we like instantly zapped to a place where, I would say is Manhattan around Prince Street somewhere in Soho. It looked it looked identical to that space, and I mean I recognized it. That's the only place I recognized uh, out of the places that we visited. And we were on a rooftop, looking down, just watching people go about their lives, just doing whatever they were doing. And I was just in awe of the whole entire experience. And I went to peek over the rooftop to look even further down, straight down to the sidewalk. And sometimes on buildings at the top of the building, just underneath the rooftop, like birds or like pigeons kind of hang out sometimes. Mm. And they must have been aware of energy that was there because they took off like something was there, even though I feel like we weren't visible to anything. (laughs) They took off (laughs) and I was like almost in 
what would have been the equivalent of tears looking at these birds. They looked amazing. Like I'm from the city. They, they look like dirty birds. They call them rats with wings. Like we had, we don't care about pigeons whatsoever. But in this case, they were with, they had all these colors and they were just magnificent. And I was like almost moved to tears about it. Like this is like amazing. And then eventually I, I, I get up and it's very jolting. I was instantly very depressed and, and it wasn't, I was depressed because I was in the facility. I was just depressed to be back in a body, mm. to be back physical. Mm. It was so, it's like, I got to, you know, to get from here to there, I got to walk. Like, it was just so, <laughs> all of a sudden, you have to be in this dense, heavy, you know, world. And it took a while to come down to be like, okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Mm. And um, that was a, an experience I had. And and then one more before you weren't on out, acid on that in that experience. No, no. You know what? <laughs> it, was you actually, the... it was actually it was yeah. It was actually the opposite. I I feel like for the first time I hadn't been smoking weed or drinking. Like I hadn't done anything for two whole years. My body was so cleaned mm. out at this point. I think that's what helped facilitate the experience. Yeah, was yeah. that I was just Amazing. you know clean. So that took place. And then I, I, I remember not so long after that, I have two more things before I, I get released. <laughs> um, I was, I had a song in my head and um, it was like Smokey Robinson, I believe, just quiet storm blowing. And it was just on repeat. You know, you get a song in yeah, your head, yeah, it just keeps yeah. on going. Yeah. It wasn't even much into the lyrics. It was just that same part over and over and over again. I couldn't stop it. I never sung it out loud, but it was in my head. And I was I was getting something out of my my cabinet or doing something by my bed area, and about three or four feet away, because the way this, the minimum was set up, it's like army barracks where it's just bed after bed yeah. after bed. There's no walls or anything like that. So the guy just two or three feet to my right, he's doing something and getting his things out of his um, cabinet, and he just starts humming, quiet storm blowing. And I look over to him, and I'm like. <laughs> Come on. And so that's kind of when I realized that it wasn't just that guy who was gifted at mental connections and being able to read minds, that we are sharing thought energy all the time, whether we realize it or not. And if mm. you're able to exercise that muscle and yeah. and be in tune with it, then mm. you. So that was like my awakening just to that kind of thing that was possible. Right. Um, so eventually I was transferred to, to out of there. I'm, I'm in New York City. And I'm um, ready to be released. You're at a at a place where you can't receive care packages like you know, like you can't get books or clothes or food. Like you can get that when you're further away, but when this this is like you're ready to go, so they don't accept that. So my dad visited and tried to um, get me a book, but he couldn't he couldn't get the book in because they said they no, there's no packages. So he cut the book up in pieces and in pages and put him in envelopes super thick, like three or $4 postage on the, on us, on an envelope and sent like two or three envelopes with this book in it to make sure that I can get it for my last like week or so in, in, in this place. And he happens to send a book called, you might've heard of it. It's called conversations with God. Uh, yeah. He sends me this book and I'm like, it, it's, it's amazing listening to Tez's story because right out the gate. I'm, I'm all the way. I, I, it was completely amazing. It was like a finishing touch on a journey that had been really, really surreal. And I had like no issues or problems of the typical, no, no shankings, no, you know, I didn't have any issues at all. You know, that it wasn't that kind of journey. It was a really, really expanding journey. 
And um, yeah, this is around the same time frame, yeah. you know, in, in the in the mid to mid to late nineties. Yep. That you um, both kind of contacted that, yes. that book yeah, contacted this, this, this both book. of you. Yeah, yeah, and completely altered everything because it explained things in such a. I mean, a kid could understand it, and it was just going into such deep topics that was so eat that it just was so amazing. Mm. And I had the same exact. I didn't know this until just now, actually, about Tez, but that. Um, I had a real problem getting to the, that the, the book was almost over. I read it in a day. I've uh-huh. never read a book over like over 200 pages in a day. I mean, I, I'd never been that interested in anything that I liked that I read that it had me just stick at the book that long. But I mean, mm-hmm. I did have a lot of time on my hands. But <laughs> yeah, I, I purposely left myself like three or four pages just to have something to no, read the no. next day because I oh. knocked it out in a day. It was like a, an amazing That's book. Crazy. And then so how that long, was it. That was and it. Then, then you, how long after did you actually meet from that, the point of around that, oh. that book? Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So this is um, what, 20 something years later because yeah. he's from New York. I only moved here in 2001. He started working at the same restaurant where I work at um, in 2006. Uh, no, no, not that early. I'm all, uh, no. Yeah, so like 2000. Yeah, about, he was there five years, so you were there. About, two, well, no, about 2008 or something like that. Yeah, close, close to that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but we never really interacted because I was a manager and he was part of the team as a bartender and I really don't, you know go in too deep with, you know, because you don't want to blur those lines. And so they always called me like, um, where's my liquor list? Like it was always straight business. We never really had a conversation. And then as I'm going along my journey, uh, you know, I had failed relationship after failed relationship. I'm in my mid forties. And so by this time I found my spiritual teacher uh, whose guru was Guru Mugdunanda and my spiritual teacher, her name is Rudrani. Amazing. So I was sharing with her, you know, my relationship woes, you know, how all the women in my family, you know, we've never had successful, we're never successful at love. We never had a, you know, meaningful relationship. And I said, I think I'm cursed. And I really thought I was cursed. And she says something to me and I told her that my heart chakra was closed. (laughs) She just kind of like, oh, poor dear, poor dear. Um, She said, well, one thing, your heart chakra can never be closed. So, and then she says something to me, um, like it, whatever she said, it was the energy that she set it in. And at that moment, whatever I was carrying, whatever I was identifying with as a failed female in relationships, it just melted. Ragu, it just came off of me. Like mm. that weight just shed. And mm. I knew from that moment that I would not be the same person in relationships anymore. Wow. And I also had told the universe, I'm open to whatever. I'm going to say yes to whatever, you know, you bring my way. He asked me out about a week later Mm. went out no fireworks you know it's just like okay but then as we're on the phone uh one day I said I'm gonna have to let this brother from Harlem know what my spiritual path is because he's not gonna know what a a Guru Muktananda is he's not gonna know what an ashram is so I started sharing with him and he says to me uh when I said you know I would love to go to the ashram and he said I was there (laughs) and I said you were where? And he was like, I was at the ashram and I saw Guru Muktananda. And so then I started looking at this situation a little bit differently. 
because I knew that now this is some synchronicity going on. It's just not two people happening to come together to see what can pop off. Like there was some, you know, a deeper meaning here. And then um, the rest is history. We're now married. Yeah. <laughs> I married I the bartender. Like... <laughs> <laughs> bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank like you. a great <laughs> opera. It's a great story. It should be an opera. I don't know why I'm thinking that. But, oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, you know, when you were talking about um, being incarcerated and meeting people who, who were fairly incredible, you know, and sharing with you in a way that propelled you into these experiences, it reminded me of, I met this Tibetan Lama named Garchen Rinpoche. And uh, he had been arrested in Tibet by the Chinese and put into a Chinese prison for 20 years and or maybe even more but around 20 years in that prison he met his guru and mm. he became I mean how awake awoken he is he's very a very high lama you know I wouldn't know any of this stuff but uh, I, I actually was his driver in L.A. for a few days when, when, or a week that he was doing a, a, a retreat there that I wanted to attend. And he, he just told us he never, you know, one of the things that's so outstanding, he never, ever blamed the Chinese, was angry at the Chinese, was wanting retribution, none of it. And a lot of that was he attributed to his guru who had gone mm -hmm. beyond that duality. Anyhow, it's just, that's just mm -hmm. something that triggered in me that I thought I'd share with you. It was such a powerful experience for me back then, and yours no less. And it just shows, I mean, the reality of causes and conditions that make us who we are mm -hmm. and lead us in the, I mean, I can't believe you both read the same damn book and it opened you up in that way <laughs> or that you love, you wanted to see Muktananda and, and, uh, and, and of course, Koa had actually had Darshan. There. Him. Yeah. And, and especially in our community, you know, yoga and Eastern philosophy and ancient wisdom teachings, that's not popular at all. So mm. to run into a guy, yeah, a man right, at that, right. Right. You know, yeah, right. I also told her that I remembered uh, Rudrani. Uh, she's she's um, an elder. It's her spiritual teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remembered her at the ashram because she was very much involved. She would have that wear those Indian saris and have the uh, the binti, yeah. uh, you, know? Yeah, yeah. you know. And I would see her just with like a clipboard or doing like not not always, but I would see her just looking like she belonged there. She wasn't visiting. I would see her all the time there. Uh, whenever I would go up there, I might not go up there for like three, four months, five months, but whenever I was up there, she would be there. It was like she was very much active at oh, the uh, that's just ashram in South Fallsburg. Oh, yeah, how crazy. that whole circle, you know, yeah. how everything just kind of circled. A yeah, and that's yeah. how it happens. Right. That's how the universe works. And all of that's led you to uh, share this podcast, share your stories, share uh, some of the qualities that... Um, you talk about that are um, it's amazing amazing um, landscape mm -hmm. 
just around um, what it is, you know, the personal experience that you've had and the desire to share that uh, around, uh, you know, some, I mean, you, you, you quote uh, Ramdas uh, in, in one podcast, if all we do is get caught in suffering, all we do is dig everyone's hole deeper. Deeper. Yeah. Yep. And, but that's a tough statement also. It's, it's a tough statement because uh, of, I mean, today the, the level of suffering is so great. It is so powerful. It is so overwhelming. And uh, I know um, you talked about in one podcast about um, the difference between well-wishers and allies, you know, related to uh, the anger, the hurt and the exhaustion, uh, the injustices that uh, everyone is, everyone with any kind of empathetic, empathetic heart is feeling. So uh, I just love that you're talking about that. And uh, I uh, actually maybe just to mention a little bit here, um, because it, to me the most important thing is, is who we can share whatever with. Our pain, mm-hmm. our happiness, our, um, our intentions for a better world, all of it is who mm-hmm. we can share that with. And, and you have a, an interesting... Um, um, definition for what you call well-wishers and mm-hmm. allies. So why don't you talk about that for a bit? Um, so well-wisher versus ally, uh, this also comes from uh, my spiritual teacher, Rudrani, um, stemming from Guru Muktananda. So an ally is defined as a person, you know, like you may have a girlfriend, right? And uh you have just gotten fired by your boss or whatever. And so your girlfriend and well intent intended to, you know, have your back and to be on your side. Yeah. Well, you know what? I always thought that he was a jerk. You know, he never treated you well anyway, you know? So so it's like wanting to um, be on your side, but not realizing that you're actually just, uh, making the situation even more dire um, because we are still going that, down that toboggan slide of woe was me, of he was a jerk to me, of, you know, um, everything that could go wrong. But an ally is going to ask you questions. Uh, oh, yes. Thank you. But a well-wisher, thank you, babe. But a well-wisher <laughs> is going to help you come into your greater self. It's going to help you see what we can get out of this. It's going to help you see how we can move forward and hopefully not to have this type of experience again. Um, So it's things like, well, how did you feel, you know, when he let you go or when he said, or he or she said whatever to you It's helping you to do that Mm -hmm. Um, self-inquiry. And then when you do that self-inquiry, you have some sense of freedom. You have, you know, you have a, you know, strength, you have power. It's not like, you know, you're just at the behest of whoever wants to do whatever to you. The self-inquiry allows you to kind of go inward. Mm. And Mm. once you tap into that space, you become transformed into something different for the next moment. Yeah, Yeah. it's very interesting that, that sometimes they don't even seem 
two different. It's not like one is on your side and one is an enemy. It's like they they both they both can if you from an outside observer can look like you know they're doing a good thing, but if you look take pay attention to the details of one, one is really empowering you and one is just, you know, I got your back, bro, man. Well, you know, let's, let's go get a drink and let's say drinking is it's the thing that kind of takes you downhill, but it's it's familiar for you. You know, I'll buy you a drink. I, mean, I got the first five rounds, man. Let's go do like mm-hmm. that's not the you know. It may seem like it's a good thing, or it feels good, or somebody feels somebody has your back, but it's not the most empowering path to to take with you. You know, it's your it's digging your hole deeper. Yeah, yeah, right. They're in that quote for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, I mean, I uh, all I can say is, I'm. I'm sure you do, and I'm really happy to have. It's also uh, just using the well wisher. I might have flipped those. I don't know. Well wisher. I like ally better. That encompasses right. somebody who's well, telling he, you the did truth. This, he said the same thing. But here's the thing about an ally, right? When we have ally countries, like no matter what the country has done, our ally is going to be with us to go to war or whatever. So the ally is, is not the instigator, but it's just a person who says, you know what, we're just going to, you know, go down this road with you. But the well-wisher may actually try to get you to see it a different way. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we don't have to go down this road. Maybe we can take a higher road or maybe there's a different option. So the ally, you know, is more of the person who is a, uh, <laughs> the bank yeah, robber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do this, man. It, it took me a moment. I, I had to. I had to also. I did the same thing, Raga, because she shared it with me, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, I mean, you, you give me the definitions, I understand it, and we can move forward. But initially, I was like, "Well, it's that word wisher that threw it up." Yeah, like, yeah, oh, oh yeah, well, I wish. Too. I wish yeah. you well. Good luck with that. Yeah. You know, it yeah, seemed yeah. like that. I was like, "Okay, but, all right." But, but the reality it. is, uh, it's the way words are used, right? We could say mm-hmm. the ally is. Uh, um, Oh God! I just thought of something terrible that I don't really want to. You know, dumb F- MF. Yeah, it's a dumb MF, right? Right. And the well wisher is, uh, you know, higher mind, and yeah. somebody with higher mind is really going to give you um, the kind of support, the kind of truth, and um, and mm-hmm. help really identify and go inside and do the kind of self inquiry that will help transform. Um, the, yeah. the reactivity. Yes, exactly. The reactivity. And that's why we did this um, podcast, Well Wisher versus Ally, especially in this time, because we do have so many people, right, of um, especially of the white community who is realizing, you know, the, the depth of what has been going on. And so they, you know, you really want to be there to help now. But this is a very critical time in our in our country so we have to make sure that the help is not digging our hole deeper Mm, mm -hmm. and so that's what i really want to bring awareness to and just for people to you know have something to think about as they're working to help yeah yeah the way the way you put it before she she didn't want you know because it was kind of that that was a topic was Many um, people of the white community, like you said, were wanted to get involved and wanted to know how can I help, how can I be there for you, and she wanted to make it clear 
you don't want to come around with the the poor you. The pity. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, poor you, these freaking racists. You know what? Oh, my people are something else. I tell you, and and, mm-hmm. you, and the other person's listening saying, yeah, you know what? That's messed up what they're doing to me. You know, taking on the victim role. We don't want the, the ally version of help actually be there to be empowering. Yeah, yeah so. I hear you. Um, I, listen, you know, here I am. Um, and I'm from Canada originally, uh, so it, it's a little different for me just because I didn't. I grew up in such a monolithic kind of a thing. You know, there wasn't multiracial uh, going on early when I was a kid, real, till I was about ten years old. Um, but yeah, so I am like all of us, just getting educated, and you know, part of the foundation is going through trainings and so on and getting educated about. Uh, the the realities of, of of what is going on and what has gone on for hundreds of years in this country that we that we as white privilege have ignored and so it's uh, I I can see all every what you're talking about how you easily can help dig the hole deeper just by virtue of of, of the most um, extraordinary stories that you tell yourself about all right. of this. You know, mm-hmm. and if it isn't that, it's getting, uh, you know, and you talked about it, getting exhausted, getting exhausted. I mean, it just happened again yesterday, the day before a man getting shot. In the, I mean, the, the, and, and you, you can't relate with it that way whatsoever. So uh, I, I love uh, the way that you're, you're speaking of uh, the difference between allies and well-wishers and... Uh, um, this hopefully will be productive for everybody. Yeah, and and that's um, and thank you so much, first of all, for having us um, on your podcast. But that's one reason why you know we created I am not that um, because and I we had to sit with it. I had to sit with it for a couple of years because I knew <laughs> how, what a daunting subject that this matter was, but it was so embedded in my spirit. And, um, and I believe that this is what has been my purpose of my spiritual path. Um, so, but we wanted to just to share, you know, with our community and with, you know, our country period, um, how not to, you know, to realize who we really are because especially in our community, it's not talked upon like at all. You know, we have so much rich spiritual teachings in this country right now, but um, certain communities still are not exposed to it or it's still not being brought to them. And so what I Am Not That podcast wants to do is bring it, bring the teachings and bring that awareness, you know, to uh, our community and also to the white community, because a podcast is actually meant for both. It's meant for everyone. Um, but I am not that means that I am not that, you know, um, limited person that everyone is to, trying to tell me or convince me that I am. You know, I am not that victim of my circumstance or wherever I may live or my financial, you know, bracket. I am, I don't have to be those things. So it's like ner- learning how not to identify with um, what's going on in your life. You're not, you're not that, you're so much bigger than that. And when you realize that you're bigger than that, then you could begin to rewrite it, redirect it, transform, you know, to something 
bigger and better, something that fits your, you know, mm. more of what you desire mm. in your life. Mm. Yeah. And again, I am not that. It caught my eye when you first wrote to me and then introduced what you were doing because of, and we started the whole conversation out with uh, Ramana Maharshi, the great uh, Saint Sage who left in 1950 and uh, and is most well known for the beauty of self-inquiry, right? And I, I'm, whether or not, I'm not sure if you know, I, you, if you know him, you know the story. At 16 years old, you lie, I can't go on one more second without knowing who I am. Well, who, what is this? And he lay down mm-hmm. all night. He said, I'm not moving until I find that out. And he found that out. That happens to one in every 16 quadrillion billion people, probably, <laughs> you know. And it was just, you know, this was what he, his destiny. And um, and then he um, immediate af- immediately after that, actually, or not immediately, but some within some years, w- moved to who stay at uh, Turvanamalai, um, which has that, you know, beautiful mountain r- right in the center of it. And so his, his, something he said, I thought I'd read to you, uh, for us actually, what is the means for constantly holding on to the thought, who am I? When other thoughts arise, one should not pursue them, but should inquire, to whom did they arise? It does not matter how many <laughs> thoughts arise. As each thought arises, one should inquire with diligence, to whom has this thought arisen? The answer that would emerge would be, quote unquote, to me. Therefore, if one inquires, who am I? The mind will go back to its source and the thought that arose will become quiescent. Sounds perfectly reasonable and doable. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all. But, uh, Just do that. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I have yeah. to say Just that. Uh, you know, I I am particularly interested when it comes to using mind and uh, uh, as a practice. Uh, and I love the Tibetans, and I love what they represent and their version of reality, uh, uh, because it it combines the heart practice, which is what you know, which mm-hmm. is our our legacy. Um, uh, just one more thing, but do you know, have you heard of <coughs> Nizar Gadatta Maharaj, who is in that tradition? Mm-mm. Okay, no. Said, no. All right, here's, I'm going to read you one thing from him. He says, I am now 74 years old, and yet I feel that I am an infant. I feel clearly that in spite of all the changes, I am a child. My guru told me that child, which is you, even now, is your real self. Mm. Go back to that state of pure being where the I am is still in its purity before it got contaminated with this I am or that I am. Your burden is of false self-identifications. Abandon them all. My guru told me, trust me, I tell you, You are divine. Take it as the absolute truth. Your joy is divine. Your suffering is divine too. All comes from God. Remember it always. You are God. Your will alone is done. I did believe him and soon realized how wonderfully true and accurate were his words. 
I did not condition my mind by thinking, I am God, I am wonderful, I am beyond. I simply followed his instruction, which was to focus the mind on pure being, I am, and stay in it. I used to sit for hours together with nothing but the I am in my mind, and soon peace and joy and a deep, all-embracing love became my normal state. In it all disappeared myself, my guru, the life lived, the world around me. Only peace remained, an unfathomable silence. Mm-hmm. How great is that? Oh, that's oh amazing. Okay, I had to get my breath back. That yeah, just took my breath away. That was transformative, oh just listening. Oh yeah, goodness. really, yeah. No, the energy. I was just oh. started to just start to sway as I was listening. I know. Yeah, like you want to go into have, meditation. Yeah, um, yeah, but exactly. I'm going to need well, that, that in the email. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I need you to email that yeah, to me, okay, please. I will. I will. We'll put, no, no, we're going to put it in the show notes. Okay. Along okay, with uh, conversations with God, along with yes. um, r- r- you know stuff from Ramana Maharshi. Oh, the guys, you know, they'll listen to this and they'll put that all together. And a link, of course, to I am not that podcast which everything i just referred to is in that pocket right um so yeah yeah go ahead no i just wanted to share that if we got an inkling of that just a taste just a touch how much that transforms your life because I, you know being um a black female in this country you know I had some instances where I felt that, you know, this was happening to me because of the color of my skin or I'm being treated this way because of the color of my skin. And then when I started to step into something more inner, when I started to turn inwardly and then I started to touch that place in me and I started realizing who I actually was like he says, you know, that pureness when you were a child. Mm-hmm. And so when I got a taste of it. That transformation took place and I no longer had those experiences that I found myself having because I now identified differently. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I began to identify differently, then I started to have, you know, different life experiences. Mm-hmm. And, well. and I think that's where my transformation took place. Well, and that's where the impetus to do the work you're doing now, obviously. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's amazing what you, what you attract and repel just by your frequency, the vibration that you are vibrating at really kind of guides the experiences that, that even come your way. You know, the things I used to run into often, it was like, ah, oh, once again, ah, you know, all of a sudden, I never even run into those things. I, they happen to miss me. It's been, like it's almost like um, that movie, The Matrix. Like this, this, like something so surreal. You know, things just happen to just you. You just miss you. You know, they, they don't. You don't interact with them the same. All the madness is still out here. The things are still happening. All the suffering, like you know, that, gets spoken about. It's still happening, but many things just don't. They don't seem to pull towards you. 
when you mm. change your vibration. And then I also just want to speak um, very quickly on the fact that it doesn't mean that you still don't experience, you know, dark moments in your life or you still don't, you know, right. go through the bullshit that's out there or people still don't piss you off. But through that self-inquiry practice, through that, look at me being upset, Mm-hmm. Witness, yeah, Ramdas. Yeah, with that witness that Ramdas talks about quite often, where you can't, you get to the point where you can't even enjoy a piece of pizza anymore. <laughs> you know, eating pizza. Eating pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's it's that when you do that, then you start to control the mind, and the mind is not controlling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, I just want to share because of what says is saying that um, that wasn't even that long ago, a few days ago. Uh, I got into this little exchange with, with someone and it's not that easy to pull me into the, into the, you know, the nonsense. I can see it for what it is and just kind of play it at a distance. But here I am getting pulled in little by little, like, ma'am, if you just calm down, like I'm getting into it. And then after the moment was over, I was getting in my car and uh, it was hitting me like the, the Ram Dass, the, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for showing me where yeah, I'm not yeah. still, like where yeah. I still need to work. And even yeah. as I was remembering that, I was still caught in it. So I was saying that Ram Dass part, but with my teeth grit. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for showing me where I'm not. You know, like I was still like, but it's 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 weird. Like you're doing this work, you're putting in this practice, but it's still, you still can get caught up, you know. For sure. We are human. Yes. Yes. And I just want to also, just one more thing, Raghu. So something hit my spirit. Um, I call it what he actually called it, ancestral amends day. Because what our country needs is we are still, we have never healed. Um, This country has never like collectively apologized to the ancestors, to the people that were beaten, enslaved, Um, And so what came to me was to have a day of contrition and forgiveness, Mm. because Mm -hmm. without the forgiveness, we Mm -hmm. cannot move forward, no matter how much we uh, pound the pavement, no matter how much we pump our fists in the air. If we don't have forgiveness in our hearts, Mm. then all of our efforts are going to be in vain and we're going to get discouraged and we're going to just, you know, spin out. So I'm working on something. Well, we're working on something. We haven't started yet, but we're going to start real soon called Ancestral Amends Day Wednesday. Mm. And I want it to happen the day before Thanksgiving Mm. because Thanksgiving means something so very Mm -hmm. different for one one demographic than it does for the other. So I think that, you know, doing this day of contrition and forgiveness the day before Thanksgiving, Mm. on Thanksgiving, we can have true thankfulness. Mm. That's beautiful. And uh, you let us know, of course, uh, all about it and whatever we can do to support, we will. I mean, I, um, yeah, it's just really a fantastic idea, you two, really. Because yeah. uh, our country needs to heal. Yeah, we absolutely. Have to heal. Absolutely. 
I'm so happy I met you. Thank you for writing. <laughs> I'm so delighted that you had us on. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is really amazing. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Listening it's... to you over and over and over again <laughs> and then to actually meet you and be a part of this is it's amazing. Mm. And the oh. podcast is so much uh, a part of our daily lives. And now, uh, including Mind Rolling, I was listening today. Mm. So it's like your podcasts are very much a part of our day-to-day oh, Thank lives. You. Really so thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, everybody, as I said before, we will have all of the different books we've been talking about, gurus, saints, uh, podcasts, all of it will be available in the show notes uh, for the show when it goes up. And uh, you guys will do this again and, and stay in close touch, of course. So nice. thank you so much. Yes. and Koa, and uh, w- this is Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network, and we will uh, check out all the other stuff going on on Be Here Now, BeHereNowNetwork.com, and we will see you next week. <laughs>